0: All right. Hello, everybody. Hello, Aaron. Hello, Kevin. Welcome to another Silicon Valley Review podcast.
1: Not just another one.
0: Last one of this season. Yeah. Last one of season four. This is season four, episode 10, server error, episode 38 overall. And this closes out season four, I guess, until next year, right, Aaron? They just do this once a year? Yeah, I don't know when. I feel like... I'm it hasn't been very, consistent. Yeah, I'm not. It, it's either me or it's them, but right. either way, I'm one having a hard you, time keeping track. <laughs> right. So I guess it's coming back up. Well, it's coming back next year. We know that Ehrlich or, or TJ Miller is off. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's talk about. There are a couple of legal things I want to talk about here, Aaron. One big one in particular, but just kind of talk about the show in general. So in my mind, the episode was okay. I guess not as disappointing as last week just because last week they went so far overboard with all the criminal activity. I don't know. I, I thought this was probably the worst episode of the season.
1: Did you? Yeah. I mean, it just, it seemed just like everybody, not necessarily overacting, but taking their characters to extremes right. that
0: aren't plausible or realistic. So Guilfoyle this demonic server guy who's in love with his server and right. has cat eyes or scary eyes. Um, you know, he and Dinesh this kind of love hate relationship where they're fighting, but they're really together and they have some kind of solidarity against Richard is, is there Richard has just gone from, you know, the absurd to the perverted where I don't even know if he has a straight thought in him, like a normal legal thought in his mind anymore. Yeah. Uh, Jared, probably the only one who's really staying in character. Right. Right. Uh, I guess Gavin came back to character, which I like. So Gavin's, I guess let's step through the show. So we kick off and let's see. what Where did the show start, Aaron? They're trying to – they're having server issues and – So they're worried about the liability from the fact that their right.
1: spyware, malware, or whatever you want to call it was installed on all may these May or may not. Hooli and we don't phones. know, right?
0: Yeah. Because the VR software was so heavy. Maybe right. the VR software is causing the phones to explode. Maybe their spyware – was causing the phones to explode so we don't know and of course then they flash to the scene at hooli where hooli's kind of going through the same conversation hooli doesn't know whether it was uh, that that for sure was the vr software but they think it is and so jack wants to do this massive recall recall not just a recall but recall and replace, replace nine, 9 million, million phones in three days yeah i thought that was hilarious and the board said okay well i don't think we can do this in three days and jack said Yeah. Slight twist here. Uh, I've already got my comms team with a press release out now. I thought that was funny. He's really good. Right. This kind of straight man comedy routine. I really enjoy him. But anyway, so the guys are having problems uh, trying to. Even if whether the blame is assigned to them or not. I don't think Richard really cares, right? Like, there's only one direction in his mind, and it's find somewhere else by any legal or illegal means yeah. to to store the the data on. And so, what we thought might be some kind of introspection or research into how this came about, what the problem was, why these phones were catching on fire, no one really cares. Huli's going to recall them, and these guys are just saying, "Who cares? We still have to do something else with our data, right?" So then it goes to, what was the next scene, Aaron? They is it when they try to boot up their server at the house? Okay, so we get to this ridiculous scene where they're arguing over Gilfoyle being in love with Anton, right? Right. His server. Right. And then they get to this really crass, and Silicon Valley is crass to begin with. Again, this really crass scene of who's screwing Anton and who loves who, and they're just yelling... You know, uh, hurling insults at each other as Jared's bringing in someone to interview for a position that he knows is going away, right? For a company that's dying, I guess. Yeah, right. So Jared's bringing that girl in, and I, I feel like we skipped over the fact that Jared submitted his resignation. Jared submitted his resignation, rightfully so. Right. I mean, these guys are like a step away from a massive lawsuit. Right. You know, everything they touch is gonna is gonna be on fire. They need to. step away and even if there's not a lawsuit it's just a toxic
1: environment right it's you have a founder that's crazy you have you know two tech guys that don't get along Uh,
0: yeah it, it it makes sense that jared wants to get out that's an interesting point it may seem silly to think about is this a toxic environment but it absolutely is this is a business guys i mean this is how startups start right it is just four guys in someone's dining room and the kind of attitudes, the way they, that Jared is running this business, that is going to pervade throughout the rest of the business until he changes the course, until he can turn around and, and be a real leader here. So, yeah, I absolutely agree with you. Jared had every right to submit that, uh, that letter of resignation. Anyway, so they get into this argument over over whether Guilfoyle is in love with Anton or not. seems kind of silly. Uh, Richard comes up with an idea to move the servers to Stanford.
1: Right. Because they didn't pay their internet bill. Yeah, they
0: oh they didn't pay their internet bill because Richard told Jared, don't pay anything. We don't right. have the money to pay the broadband. Uh so they they, you know, find the kind of the willing dolt in Big Head, and Big Head unknowingly agrees to let Richard do that. The whole Big Head thing is just absurd as well. That right. he's gonna be you know he's still a professor and that there's someone sitting in and big head's going to just walk out for 10 minutes in the middle of his uh, of his lecture it's gone from you know hollywood plausibility to just ridiculous yeah. it it has
1: gone from sort of the um dramatic extreme of things that we see in everyday you know our work life every day to something that is not plausible. Yeah, I think if
0: you took the most extreme scenarios we see on a daily or weekly basis, you could piece them together. and get close enough to have a real story here. But the stuff they're doing now is just so ridiculous that I don't know. For guys like us who are our everyday life is so uh, buried in venture, it's just becoming not interesting, right, and not that yeah. fun anymore. Yeah. Uh, so on a real, I don't want to end this on a downer. Do there are some legal points I want to discuss here, but. They end up going to Stanford. They forget to close the door because Richard is in such a hurry. Now, I do think that that is an interesting parable. He was in such a hurry to get out there. They throw the batteries out, right. To jumpstart the, uh, the truck they're driving to Stanford. They don't close the door. So all the server equipment, the racks, the cables, the ethernet cables, the computers, they all fall out of the truck seemingly in the last block. Yeah. Right. Which is, uh, right. I mean, they drove 10 minutes, but everything fell out the very end. And so there's nothing left. Uh, when they get saved, of course, Richard is just always saved at the last minute. When Guilfoyle had put that uh, that virus onto – or spamware onto Xin uh, Yang's refrigerator, it had the Pied Piper firmware, and then all these smart refrigerators are – Automatically updating, which I—that's—I could believe that. Right, right? I think yeah. Alexa will do that. Will update the fir- her firmware, or uh, my uh, my Sonos speakers do that from time to time. Heck, I know some of our clients do that. I right? Their firmware right. gets automatically yeah. updated like that. And then I just goes and replicates to everyone else. So pretty cool stuff there. It got put on these smart servers, which are or these smart refrigerators, and now we've got you know Melcher's decentralized network data being stored. Across all these smart refrigerators. So somehow they get saved, and then you've got this final meeting. We skipped the part. Uh, TJ Miller goes and he finds Belson, and of course, Ehrlich has his, uh, you know, TJ Miller is Ehrlich. Ehrlich has his phone where he's not supposed to with all the monks. Uh, Gavin, even though he's supposed to be going through this period of enlightenment, his need, his drive to be a leader of a big company, leader of Huli, is so much greater he just throws all that away. And then the way they reconcile Ehrlich going off the show is just Gavin gives that guy a bunch of money and Ehrlich's going to stay in a smoke opium in a chalet and somewhere in Tibet for five yeah. years. You just like, this is the best way we could write him off. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I just don't know anymore. Are we going to do this next season. All right. We're going to give him the benefit of the doubt and they yeah. come back with something. I want to talk about some, some real key legal points. Uh, one that was real minor was uh, the employee handbook, mm-hmm. right? So Jared wrote an employee handbook, and Richard had actually read it, and that was so important to Jared that Jared had written the employee handbook. This is something that clients of ours, early stage clients, do not do, and they usually don't do it till they get to the later stage, and they might not have the time or resource to do it, but they're really, really important for a number of reasons, a number of legal and just practical reasons, and I want to discuss some of those. You can go online and find an employee manual that will suffice. Eventually you need to have one that's tailored for your business, absolutely, and you need an HR expert or an attorney who does HR work to help you write this thing. They don't have to write the whole thing. But eventually you can start, You know, one of the key things in an employee manual is just having basic rules like don't use drugs at work. Well, don't use drugs generally. Don't drink at work because let's just say you have a startup and every Friday at five, you guys open up the keg, right? Or tap the keg and you guys have a few beers. Well, if someone starts doing that earlier in the day or does it on Thursday or does it on Wednesday and then you go and you fire that person for doing that, they might say, hey, look, this was course of business, man. This is just the way we did it. But if you employ a manual that says from time to time, we may celebrate as a team after work hours, but in general, don't drink, that's all you need to be the distinction between you you are uh, stereotype not stereotype, discriminating against that employee, or this is your policy. This is the firm's policy. So a lot of employee meals have real basic stuff: dress appropriately, treat other people with respect, you know, conduct yourself in a professional manner. But those can be the difference, you know, between firing someone with cause or with a reasonable cause versus discrimination. In Texas, Texas is an at-will state. There's no contracts. You can you can fire people for any reason except the wrong reasons, and the wrong reasons might be well they're a woman and I'm company dominated by males, right, Um, or they are you know age discrimination. Or they're pregnant. Or they're pregnant, right? So all those things. So if you've got this person who decides to open a beer at three o'clock, at 2 o'clock on a Wednesday and you're mad about that and she happens to be pregnant, probably not making the best decisions, right? But, you know, let's just – Yeah. Hypothetical here. And then you fire her. Well, now she has a claim that you fired her because she was pregnant. So having an employee manual with real basic stuff can be really, really I important. Mean, really, the, the employee manual
1: – from the business's perspective is just a CYA. Yeah. It is, you know, let's list out the thing the behavior that's acceptable and the behavior that's not acceptable. And then if you, you know, conduct any of the unacceptable behavior, then we can
0: terminate you. You know, operationally, I can tell you, as our firm was growing, employee meals are really important because we rule out a lot of policies we have in the past in a real nonchalant manner. Right. Here's an email on this. Here's a a mess, a meeting An all hands on deck meeting. Okay, guys, here's what our vacation policy is going to be. Here's Here's a here's a slack. Yeah, exactly. Here's a slack communication. (laughs) But then people are trying to find they they can't remember what you said or you can't remember what you said. So for a firm of our size, I can tell you, any of any any of you out there that are listening that are growing and you have more people than just the five people you started with where you're all talking about everything every day. You have to have these things written down. So people can go and refer to it and say, okay, I do see what the travel policy, I see what the expense reimbursement policy is or the mileage policy. So employee manual can be very, very helpful in that regard. So then, Aaron, uh, when when Jared handed in his two weeks notice, handed his resignation letter, uh, Richard says, hey, man, you can't leave yet. You have to give me two weeks notice. Yeah. Can Richard legally require him to stay for two weeks there?
1: I mean – yeah I mean if if he is bound by the employee handbook and it says you have to give 2 weeks notice then yeah but I think generally speaking if you have an employee that wants to leave don't try to get that person to stay for the 2 weeks if they if they're ready to move on it's not going to end
0: well if you force them to stay yeah, let's talk about transitions here, because this is important. Um, as far as being able to obligate them to stay, in Texas, I know you cannot. Right? California is totally different. California, perhaps. let me take that back. Texas, you cannot absent written contractual policy. So if you had an executive that you're paying tons of money to, and that executive had some sort of salary or some sort of um, severance package, you might be able to do that. But if they just want to leave and you want to just cut the salary, I think the point you bring up, Aaron, is the most important. is Why do you want them there? Now, a lot of times there's transition reasons. And if the person's moving on and everyone's operating in good faith and the relationship's still good and strong, yes, that might make sense to have them transition out. But, man, if that person's not on board with what the founder is doing or has been a problem or is checked out, you're not going to get anything out of that person. You might as well just let them go. Well, and I think we saw that
1: as the episode progressed because eventually Richard got to the point where he said, you know what, Jared, go ahead. I'm releasing you from your two week obligation just because, you know, Jared was doing what Jared does best, which is, you know, questioning what Richard's doing to make sure that everything is buttoned up and making sure that, you know, everything is above board.
0: So, For those out there that do have employees, let's talk about this for a sec. Looks a lot of startups, you're not paying people. We get that. You don't have the money to do that. There are exemptions under the FLSA, which stands for the Fair Labor Standards Act. There are exemptions under that for founders, basically, where you don't have to pay minimum wage. But if you've got some part-timer that's working, or maybe a full-timer, but you're not paying them, but they're working a full work week for you in, in returns for equity, unless they have a material... A part of equity, you might be in violation of FLSA, and you can't waive those things. And we see this from time to time when you have this small co-founder might own five percent of the company, and they're working full time, and then they get crossways with the other founders, and they leave, and they wiseen up and go talk to an attorney. Talk to an attorney. The attorney says, "Wait, you were there for six months and you didn't get paid. That's a violation of FLSA, and you have to be paid at least minimum wage." So, we do see those sorts of things come up with early stage employees. One thing that's real critical that Aaron and I are really big on our clients is we want everyone who's performing services for you to have signed some sort of services agreement. Okay. Now, in the founders, for the founders, it might be their founders' IP agreement, which will reference these things. But we got to get a couple of key things with all your early stage employees or service providers confidentiality, right? And ownership of IP. So we want to make sure that your information is confidential, not going to go blabbing about your idea to someone else, and that all the IP that was created prior to the company's incorporation, and especially after, while they're providing services for your business, are owned by the business. What you can see is someone says, hey, man, your startup looks awesome. I'll I'll come work for you for equity. I'll work for you for six months, and you just pay me an equity. And then you get crossways, and they develop some amazing equity, excuse me, some amazing intellectual property, and then they leave. What have they signed? What obligations do they have to give you that IP? And now you might be fighting with them over ownership of intellectual property. So get your early stage employees to sign something. There's a lot of different ways that uh, that work there, but discuss that with your attorney. Uh, I wanted to bring up another legal thing, Aaron, that you had brought up a couple weeks ago, is the way they're passing offers back and forth, right? Because at the end, Gavin Belson makes a uh, makes an acquisition offer. To uh, to 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 Richard, you want to pick by, this one well, up? Aaron? By the
1: way, what what restaurant is this that they're always at yeah, when offers Mexican are made? Place, yeah. yeah, Is it like a Chili's knockoff right. or what? But yeah. Uh, yeah, Gavin offers to buy um, Pied Piper from Richard and the team. Um, Richard makes a comment to the fact that you know he's sort of swimming in in um, funding offers, and he's going to go with Bream Hall. Um, You know, I think it is this is sort of it's necessary for Richard to decline the offer from Gavin, even though, you know, at the beginning of this iteration of Pied Piper, they were partners. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Gavin eventually gave Richard or gave Pied Piper the patent for um, the technology. But in order to keep Gavin in the position that he's been in, you know, throughout this show, really, they have to be adverse to each yeah. other. And so you have to have this, you know, situation where Gavin's been um, you know,
0: rejected by by Richard. So but the other thing is, he gives it to him in paper, right? A piece of paper and a folder. And just in the real world, you never, no. ever see that. Everything's written. It's gone through scores and scores of attorney review and comments. And a lot of times, if the attorneys are involved early on, which they're not always with term sheets, especially sophisticated parties, um, they're not at the forefront. They, they're no. in the background. Yeah. But once you kind of get to the full process, a lot of times the docs are just going directly to the
1: attorneys. Right. The, the negotiation process is going to be a back and forth. You get a handshake deal, and then you bring in the lawyers mm-hmm. to paper it up.
0: All right, I want to wrap this up and just talk about what's coming up next. So the season, which started off really, really interesting. I felt like early on, the first couple of episodes, we had some really cool stuff to talk about. And I know that this has been fun because we're getting feedback from people out there. We're tying this into some other resources that we have on the website. So hopefully you guys appreciate the show notes. We do lots, encourage you. Lots of sponsors, sponsorship lots of sponsorship, sponsorship off. opportunities. Yeah. You know, we have lots of opportunities. Some of them are coming in paper and folders, right? Yep. So we have to review those with our attorneys. Some, think are, about them. some are electronic papers. <laughs> but we had a lot of fun with this. We definitely will be back next season. What we want to do in between, I think let's take a week off here and then let's pick this up, is there's a book out there by Brad Feld called Venture Deals. And it's a fantastic resource. I haven't read it yet, but I've heard a lot of people talk about it. I've I've skimmed it, looked at the chapters. And it's a great resource for, I think, for founders who are raising capital. And I think on the uh, on the cover says something about, you know, know more about the deal than your attorney or how to know more about venture deals than your attorney. So what Aaron and I want to do is go chapter by chapter in that thing and review it. And so we'll read a chapter a week or so, depending on how long they are, and then do a podcast afterwards and encourage you guys out there listening to follow along. Now, we will do this under, I guess, under separate cover, right? It'll still be a you know, it's a separate name. But it'll still be available on the iTunes store and we'll link to it on the website and we'll have, uh, you can be able to download and listen through the website, but we're going to put this out there on social media. So hopefully you'll see it, uh, hear about it, pass it along to your friends, and then you can follow along as we do this review. What we should probably do, Aaron, is just have like a separate podcast name that kind of, in, so we can do this from time to time and covers everything, right? So we're not doing a separate podcast submission to the iTunes store every single time. Yeah. So, look for that in the next week or two. Maybe we'll do it through Venture, Venture Glossary. I don't know. We can talk about that. But check us out online, uh, VelaWoodlaw.com, V E L A W O O D L A W.com. Check out our sister site, VentureGlossary.com. Follow us on social media at VelaWoodlaw, uh, Instagram at VelaWood. We love to hear from you guys. And then finally, any feedback, questions, or comments you have, email us at podcast at VelaWoodlaw.com.
1: Okay, I think you forgot the most important one.
0: Which one? Subscribe. And rate us five stars. Yes. Please subscribe on iTunes. Thank you. Make our producer very happy. Give us five stars. If you're going to give us anything less than five stars, probably don't need to do that.
1: I I don't think the functionality doesn't work on iTunes that way. So you can't anyway. So just only fives. Otherwise, it doesn't get registered.
0: And then just to uh, reaffirm, we will have this linked on a blog on velowoodlaw.com and everything we referenced today and other helpful content.
1: You'd be interested. We'll be on there. Hey, what are you doing your week off of uh, podcasting? working oh what are you gonna do I'm going to Colorado
0: <laughs> well I feel like we have been working so hard on the podcast you need to we also like to give a shout out to on-air media we they have some very fantastic podcast guys and consultants over there have been very helpful for us so we are professionalizing this whole process we should probably also give a shout out to our in-house producer yes Nikki Dabney thank you Nikki Nikki runs all our marketing and does all our producing Lots more to come. Looking forward to it. Thanks for listening. Talk to you soon.